0: The Free For All Roundtable. Round
1: one. And joining us on round one from Power Group Communications and host of the O Show, Laura Babcock, along with that a gentleman you hear on this radio station we'll be hearing this afternoon, and he's one of the triangle of people that's filling the airways during the break. Mark <laughs> Toohey is here, uh, host of The Rush today. Good morning, the uh, two of you, the triangle. <laughs>
2: Good,
1: Good morning. morning. All right. Well, listen, we're going to start things off. Uh, I did want to get your thoughts, comments, perhaps. Memories. Uh, Pele has died. Uh, This is someone that is the soccer player, the legend, the icon on a worldwide basis. um, This is this is an
0: athlete that has gone beyond the sport. Mark. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not much of a soccer fan, but Pele is the name that always jumps to mind whenever I'm. whenever I'm searching for an iconic archetypal uh, soccer genius, uh, I am of an age when Pele is the name that everybody knew. Uh, I haven't kept up with the the modern guys, but uh, Pele was the soccer guy, and he always has been in my life.
1: I agree, and you know, Laura, I'm not much a soccer fan either. I don't know about your fandom, but it's, you know, it's the Gretzky to hockey, the how to hockey, the pele to soccer
2: well I wasn't a soccer fan until I married a croatian a oh, Canadian <laughs> boy. we actually we actually built a soccer pub in our basement for the <laughs> world cups um, so I have to tell you that he had me he invited me to watch the beautiful game series of videos where I learned about Pele and Maradona and everything so mm-hmm. I could really understand the sport and my family my kids teenagers have spent the last week debating whether Messi is now better than Pele uh, you know if he will become the pele of the future so so, uh, but Pelly is iconic because of how young he was when he won his first World Cup, how many World Cups he won, and also just what a gentleman and, and a fundraiser for charities, you know, the kind of sports icon that you want to be an icon for centuries.
1: Well, Mark, you and I have spent a lot of time on this radio station over the past few days talking about travel, vacations, stranded people in different destinations and bad airports. Now Sunwing has cancelled all flights out of Regina and Saskatoon until February the 3rd. Listen, I know Regina and Saskatoon aren't great places to spend winter, but if I had a flight on Sunwing at this time, I would kind of be happy my flight is canceled.
0: Yeah, I think this is a a smart move, Uh, whether or not this is enough, I don't Mm -hmm. know. But when you're dealing with the crisis, you have to make bold decisions, you have to get ahead of it. Uh, They never did throughout this whole unfolding crisis. Every day we've heard uh, yet another litany of this flight delayed, that flight cancelled, this promise unkept. And so I think what is a smart decision is for them to sort of say, look, we need to cut this off at the root. We are going to make this decision for, you know, right now we're cancelling all of these flights. I think it's better for customers. They have some certainty. They can make some plans. I just think it's a shame, and uh, I think they need to do a better job in that, uh, you know, they've announced they will automatically refund people, but that might take up to 30 days. In the meantime, you're out of pocket that money mm. and can't put it towards some alternative carrier.
1: Laura, if Sunwing came to Power Group Communications right now and said, help us, what? What do you give as a recommendation? Get paid up front. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Exactly. Uh, I agree with Mark that they have to just say, listen, we can't handle it. You know, we we thought we had a backup plan. The backup plan didn't come to fruition. We couldn't get the agreement, and this didn't work, and that didn't work. They're being honest that they have these operational problems. And it doesn't look good, right? It doesn't look good on them as a company. But what would look worse is if they tried to do it and ended up stranding people or losing luggage or, God forbid, the stuff that we're seeing with Southwest Airlines in the U.S., Mm. A kind of brand damage that may Never be recovered from, right? I mean, day after day, we're seeing people in a sea of thousands of pieces of luggage stranded everywhere. Can you imagine? So Sunwing, nothing ever works in a vacuum in public relations, right? There's always something else going on in the ether that you have to check. And so would they have been as bold as to say, nope, we're not even going to try if this wasn't happening with Southwest Airlines? Maybe not. But because it is, I think it's a good move for them just to be honest and upfront. But let me just say, I feel bad for anyone in Saskatchewan in January who can't get south.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's not necessarily the place you want to be. I always wondered why the Guess Who song was running back to Saskatoon and not running away from Saskatoon. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, hey, let's Saskatoon's continue. It's a beautiful
0: place. What is it's a beautiful place? Just- f- Saskatoon's a beautiful city. It's just in Saskatchewan. (laughs) Okay.
1: Well, let's continue to talk vacations here. And, Mark, I want to start with you uh, with this one due to your military background. Uh, Justin Trudeau decides to vacation with his family in Jamaica amidst the state of emergency. Now, I am fully aware that there are security measures here that will make this vacation safe. But this this is not... It just doesn't seem like it's, uh, you know, thought through by the prime minister and the people around him.
0: Yeah, this one's kind of a six of one, half a dozen of the other. I mean, the state of emergency, to be clear, is in Jamaica, not in Canada. Mm -hmm. So he's not running away from something here, although we've had, you know, issues with the winter storm. So, I mean, that's not a strike against him. I don't begrudge him taking. Jamaica is a place where a lot of Canadians continue to go. Uh, I think for most Canadians, the state of emergency won't actually affect them. But uh, So I don't have a big problem with it. My only concern would be uh, knowing whether or not uh, this will increase the security costs for him. If they have to do something special to make sure that he stays safe, I mean, he always travels with a uh, small personal protective detail. They always do the pre-planning. If they have to do more of that, or have more more people or it costs the taxpayers more then I would have a problem with it. Otherwise I'm okay.
1: Laura Babcock just seems like it's a recipe for headlines that don't bode very well for the prime minister. Yeah. Except the only
2: saving grace in this one is part of the first paragraph of the story is that it was, it was actually approved this trip by the ethics commissioner. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. He's had so many trips that have been problematic, whether he's been surfing when he shouldn't be or whether he's been flying to an island by somebody he shouldn't be. Uh, So the fact that, you know, the only knock against this holiday for the prime minister is that he's in a country that's in turmoil. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal, and I'm sure he's safe.
1: Uh, Laura, let's go with you on this one. Uh, Hybrid work. Now, Mark and I uh, come in here. Granted, Mark's at home at this point, but we sit in studio and are still on location, even though we do have the ability to broadcast from home. But there are many employees that are very they're okay with the hybrid work environment, so you're not necessarily coming in every day. Uh, this the hybrid seems like something that is here to stay and may be the best of both worlds uh, for employees.
2: I love it. And at the early on in the pandemic, uh, we had a lot of discussions about whether some of these pandemic measures were gonna be permanent. And this is one that I thought would be, because why not? You know, we have the technology, we have the ability to be productive anywhere really. Uh, So why not be able to help families balance childcare or pet care or anything else, uh, as long as they're getting the work done. You know, I've always been for results. I always work with clients. And when we start talking about workplace culture and communication, We always look at, you know, what about moving to more of a performance results-based working culture? Less about nine to five supervision and more about actual productivity and and reaching goals because people perform better when they feel valued, when they feel as though their concerns are being met, when they don't have to sort of uh, prioritize work over all the other things in life that are extremely important to them because, you know, then you get kind of tired and kind of disenfranchised. So I think it's good for retention. I think it's good for bringing people into the workplace, and I hope it's here to stay
1: What about the social aspect, Mark? I mean, you're at home for part of this time. Not completely, though, but the ability is there. And I I mean, I know a couple people who only have to come into the office once or twice a month. Never mind once or twice a week
0: yeah i don't like it and uh, i think it will be here to stay for some uh, probably more people than it should be here to stay because i don't think it works very well in a lot of organizations in a lot of tasks uh, for all the same reasons that laura just mentioned i mean if it helps you uh, balance uh, childcare responsibilities well that means then that you're not working you're taking care of your kid for part of that time which is fine but i'm not that concerned about the technological ability of individuals to perform what i'm concerned about is the collective ability for a team to coalesce and to collaborate and in jobs where that's required where it's the team that is producing something not just individual contributors I think this can be an impediment and I think we've seen that in government and its inability to function uh, during and after COVID because of remote work in many cases uh, in a lot of creative industries at a lot of senior executive levels in in a lot of businesses where you are creating something that didn't exist before, that comes from teamwork and it comes from collaboration, which is that inspirational spark that's the magical royal jelly that happens in the synthesis amongst people. And I think we haven't yet figured out how to do that uh, in every case. And so as much as I think people will hold on to this because it's easier for them, I don't think it's always better for the customer or better for the business, or better for society, and so I think we'll come back to some kind of, a, a, you know, of a hybrid hybrid, if you will, in the future where it still exists, but not as many places as are using it now. I think. Can we- I can
2: just add, yeah. oh, sorry, If I can just add quickly, uh, you know, remote work that happened during the pandemic was extreme in the sense that you know nobody saw each other, and I, I had to work with companies to create ways to build teamwork remotely. Right, because Mark's right, there is something to come Company culture to getting people together especially when you want inspiration and to create new things Uh, so I agree hybrid work though doesn't mean remote work it means a balance of both it means finding ways to get the team together maybe more strategically than in the past right maybe less meetings that seem to be time killers and more strategic meetings and trips and stuff like that to still have that bond so you have to figure it out and every industry is different and that's why I say it has to be based on performance if you can't perform with a hybrid work culture then maybe it's not not right for you, but I think a lot of employees want it, 70%.
1: Let's end things off here with uh, a fun one, or maybe not a fun one, uh, if you are going out on New Year's and are being dragged out. Uh, But New Year's Eve is tomorrow night. Uh, It can be an expensive night. It can be amateur hour at the pub or club that you're at. Any exciting plans, Mark? Are you going to be on the air?
0: Uh, no, I'm not going to be on the air. That's about as exciting as it gets for me. I've never been one to celebrate these kind of, oh, my God, it's New Year's Eve. Oh, my God, it's this Eve. To me, it's just a Saturday night, and I'll do what I normally do on a Saturday night, which, sadly, is nothing. All right, Laura. Ah!
2: I'm the opposite of Mark in every way on this one. Uh, I I make it a big deal no matter what. I do a party with the kids. And then this year we're going back to the last good dance party we went to before the pandemic, which is at a cool club in Hamilton called the Casbah. It's an 80s night. They play a lot of 80s and new wave tunes. It's a dress up. It's so much fun. So it kind of feels to me psychologically like a great way to kind of put the pandemic uh, isolation behind me and get back out there and dance. So that's what we're doing.
1: You go ahead and rock the Kazbah there Laura thank you very much Laura and Mark appreciate
0: it catch the round table round one at seven forty-five. round 2 at 845 weekday mornings on more in the morning news talk 1010 Toronto